Welcome to the Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month special podcast series, part of CBP's Shine a Light Suicide Prevention Program. Today, we're speaking with Paula, a CBP supervisor, and Dr. Kent Corso, CBP's Suicide Prevention Program Manager. When Paula heard that one of her employees was considering suicide due to a recent family loss, she utilized all the resources available to all CBP employees and her personal experience in order to connect with that employee and assist them in their time of need. Dr. Corso and Paula thought it would be beneficial for you to hear her story in case you are faced with a similar situation. Thanks so much for joining us today and to our guests for doing this podcast. This is the second podcast in a series for Suicide Prevention Month, which is the month of September. Just a few caveats before we get going. I am a clinical psychologist, so I am a doctor, but I'm not the doctor for our guests. Uh, This isn't therapy or a counseling session, nor is anything we talk about today going to involve or constitute medical advice. This is just a conversation. Another disclaimer is that suicide is a difficult topic to talk about, and it's not one that we can be vague or indirect about if we hope to make a difference in suicide prevention and awareness. So, for the listeners out there, we are going to have a frank conversation today. If by any chance you are triggered and you have lived experience, if anything we discuss is upsetting or distressing to you, please reach out for help. Reach out to those who care for you, who love you, and reach out to those who you love. If you are a CBP employee or family member and you need help, you can always contact a peer support member chaplain or veteran field coordinator, or you can reach out to our employee assistance program. You can always call 1-800-273-8255, which is the National Suicide Lifeline. And that is for anyone who is a CBP employee, a family member, or members of the public. Paula, thanks for joining us today, and I appreciate you uh, being willing to have this conversation. Good morning. Good morning, sir. So you and I met about a week or two ago while we were looking for guests for the podcast series, and I was struck by your story. You've got some lived experience yourself, but you're also a supervisor who has played an integral role in helping uh, an employee in distress. Would you mind telling us a little bit about your lived experience just for a few minutes? Sure. So uh, at the time, uh, I was. stationed as the um, assistant port director for passenger operations. And I received a call from one of my supervisors that an employee was overheard in the, in the bathroom saying that they couldn't take it anymore and they wanted to kill themselves. And they were having trouble reaching the employee, meaning trying to talk him into EAP, trying to even engage in any kind of conversation with him. The employee had completely shut down. Paula, just, just to, sorry to interrupt. So this employee was in uh, the women's room or men's room and was talking to themselves or was talking to another employee? They were talking to themselves. Okay. And then someone overheard it. Yeah. Someone also in the bathroom, I guess they did not realize there was another person in the bathroom and, and it was overheard what was being said. That's some great situational awareness. 
Yes, yes. I really commend that employee for bringing it to our attention. So from there, you know, when you're thrown, you know, as managers, we get thrown different things all the time. And I've never experienced this before. And so my first thought was, okay, what resources do I have in my fingertips to be able to to handle this, this situation and be able to engage the employee? And I immediately called EAP and I said, I need help. Here's my situation. I have an employee who just said he wants to take his life. Can you get me somebody that can help me, you know, give you a crash course in two minutes of what to do? And EAP was, was awesome. They gave me this, this counselor who really gave me a crash course of what to ask, what to look for. And she even stayed on the phone on speaker while I was talking to the employee so she could engage as well. That was huge. Paula, this sounds like something out of a movie. I'll be honest. It sounds like you're, you, you've got a, a lifeline in your ear, an earbud in, and, and you're trying to deal with a crisis. I mean, is that how it felt? Yeah, it, it really did. So from there, you know, she said to me, you're going to have to ask him those tough questions if he wants to harm himself and if he has a plan. Uh, and so when I got in there over to the, the terminal, the, the officer was in a, a, a private room, a, a, an office, door closed with the uh, with the officer that had called concerned about the individual and, a, and another manager and I walked in and I could see the employee would not make any eye contact head down shoulders down and I thought okay here we go and I sat right across from the employee and I got as close as I possibly could I had lost my husband um a few years back and so I could see that this officer was in grief and I knew that he had lost his three-year-old child. And I can't imagine that grief. I understand the grief with losing a spouse, but not losing a child, especially a child so young. And so I could just see how hurt and how sad he was. And so I had said to him, you know, I explained to him about losing my husband and how I felt like I lost an arm and I didn't know how to breathe. And, and then I felt like I lost my identity. And as I'm talking through how I felt and I, you know, I said to him, I was in a really dark place too. I had a very dark voice in my head too. And he finally picked his head up and he looked at me. And then I knew, I was like, okay, I've got him. I've got him. And so I just kept the conversation going with him. And saying to him, you know, let's get you help. It's okay. It's not shameful. It's not going to hurt your job. Let's get you help. Um, and he ended up saying yes. And um, it, it was unbelievable. I can't even believe that going through that experience. Paula, let's go back just a moment. You said that you shared with him that you had been in a dark place when you lost a loved one. And what made you do that? How did you know that that would be helpful? Or did you know that that would be helpful? You know, I didn't know if it would be helpful, but I was trying to figure out how to reach out to him. Because um, I, I, I mean, anybody could see walking in that he was just so sad and he just looked so broken. And, um, and I figured, you know, if I could share what I went through with him, that maybe he wouldn't feel so alone. He wouldn't feel that he was by himself, that somebody else had experienced loss and knows 
what that dark place feels like and that dark voice in that head telling you things that are not good. So it sounds like what you were really trying to do was relate to him with empathy, trying to help him understand that you have some sense of what it's like to be in his shoes. Yes, exactly. And you had learned that he lost his three-year-old child through some of the other employees who had preliminary conversations with him. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And so I think what, what I'm struck by, Paula, is that you were just sort of being, I'm using air quotes here so our listeners can't see that, but you were just sort of being a good person. And when we say good person, we just mean someone who cares enough to take the time and care for another person. You're not trained as a counselor. You're not trained as a therapist or a doctor. Is that right? No, no, not at all. <laughs> okay. And, and, uh, but it sounds like it was quite effective and, and it doesn't sound like it was scripted. It doesn't sound like you, you read off some, uh, cheat sheet or or card it does sound like it helped that you had the eap clinician in your ear oh my gosh she was awesome awesome because you know we we as you know managers and, and officers we get a lot of training but we don't always get training on on suicides and things like that and so but i know i have resources at my fingertips and going right to, to eap was the best thing I did, I think. Well, it sounds like you've had resources at your fingertips, but you also had very good instincts. Do you think that you would have been able to reach him in the same way if you did not have your own personal loss in your own life? You know, I'm not sure. I mean, I I think that helps tremendously because I could relate to him. But, you know, I think... Anybody just being a human being and seeing somebody hurting can be able to, to help somebody, just listening to somebody. You know, sometimes all people just need is someone to listen. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, there's something that happens when we ask, are you okay? Can I help? How are things going? Just showing a genuine interest in their well-being. There's something powerful about that, especially in the context of work where we're typically so busy so used to not focusing on personal things, very accustomed to staying mission-focused or task-focused, remaining professional. It's amazing how you are able to break through barriers when you take a personal approach. What other, well, a few other questions, I shouldn't lie. There are a few other questions I have. It's, It's such a great story, Paula. Did he talk about how he was thinking of ending it? Did he elaborate when you were talking to him? No, he didn't. He, he was very embarrassed and, you know, I had to ensure him that it's okay. This, it, this happens. You know, he didn't really have a plan. He had just said to me, I just want to not feel this pain anymore. And I understand what he means by that. The the pain is so intense inside you that you do want to feel like getting rid of it. You don't know how. And so you think ending your life will end that pain. And, but that's not the case. You know, you need to seek help for for that type of thing. But he just wanted that pain gone. And I totally understand what he means. How did you explain to him that the pain would go away? Or how did you give him some sort of hope? I said to him, you know, um, I said, listen, you know, I'm I'm a few years out from my grief. And it takes a long time 
because grief is a, a roller coaster. You go up, you go down, you think you're doing good and you get hit by a wave in the ocean and you're knocked back down again. I said, but you need to seek help. You need to have EAP at your fingertips. You need to have a counselor. You need to have somebody to talk to you, whether maybe it's your priest or, or, or whoever you have, because he was a very religious person. And I said, you have to talk, keep talking because that helps the pain. And, you know, the pain doesn't always go away, but it subsides. And, you know, just talking to somebody will make a difference. Where is this gentleman now? What's the rest of the story? So I knew that taking away his weapon was going to be difficult. You know, I said to him, listen, we're going to take your weapon. You're going to go on, on, you know, light duty, modified duty at the moment, or light duty, I should say, I'm sorry. And we're going to put you for a fitness for duty but no one there needs to know. And so you could tell him your, your back is hurt, not a problem. And we got him a fitness for duty. It took some time. He had to go through counseling sessions. He had to be medically you know, cleared and he is back on the job working. Can you tell us a little bit about, I'm sure our listeners are interested in hearing a bit about that process. There's a lot of talk across the agency about barriers to seeking help or consequences to seeking help, whether it's I think they call it the rubber bullet squad or the rubber gun squad. I, I forget the euphemism. What's the euphemism, Paula? Uh, yeah, it is the rubber gun squad. Okay. So they, they talk about becoming part of the rubber gun squad, which is, of course means that your service weapon is taken away. And there's a lot of conversation around this with, that, that's laden with fear and people fear seeking help as if it will sort of be this nail in the coffin for their career. But it sounds like it's really a temporary period that the employee endures and then they're evaluated to say or to, to see, hey, is this employee good to go back to work? Is that accurate? Yes. Yeah, so there is, a, there is a process and it's just temporary, like you said. It's just for a while. And so, you know, you get your counseling, you seek help, you, know, you go through the fitness for duty process. And when all that is said and done and you are cleared, you're, you're back in the job. You're, you're, you're back out there working. How long would you say this process took for this particular employee? This particular employee was probably about six months. So this is no different than, let's say, breaking your leg or breaking your arm, whereby you have to come off the job, get a medical evaluation to treat something that's happening with your, your body. And then you go through a fitness for duty evaluation to say, well, what can this member do in the meantime? And then once, let's say the broken leg, the broken arm is healed, then there's a reevaluation to determine, are we ready to resume normal employment? Is that fair? That is, yep, that's fair. That's exactly it. Okay. So just, just to add a little bit of clinical information here, broken arms, broken legs, in some ways, that's no different than an episode of depression. It is no different than an episode of grief or some sort of a anxiety or stress that pops up. There are very few mental health problems that are permanent. And when I say permanent, I mean lifelong. Certainly something like schizophrenia, which is a severe and persistent mental illness, that is lifelong. It's most likely to arise around ages 18 to 25, and people generally need to be on medications for the rest of their life. But that's not the case with the garden variety depression or anxiety, even a marital problem. In this case, this employee's loss of a, of a, of a child. 
So I do want our listeners out there to know that from a medical perspective, and again, this isn't medical advice, it's just medical education. From a medical perspective, the way depression and anxiety and some of these common struggles work is that they are temporary, but we know that they often last longer without help. And that's because they can tend to fester. There are ways we think about our lives when we're anxious or depressed. There are ways we navigate our lives when we're anxious or depressed that can sometimes make things better, but sometimes the way we try to navigate actually makes it worse or just maintains the problem. Paula, anything else you'd like to share sort of in your supervisor's hat about this experience? If you pan back a little bit to, let's say, the 10,000-foot view what was this like as a supervisor? How did it affect you in terms of your own professional development, this experience? Oh boy, it's a good question. You know, looking back, I think it, it has helped me as a, as a manager, as a leader in, you know, just stopping and actually asking somebody, how are you today? A lot of times you'll say, hey, how are you? And everybody goes, good. And I will usually stop now, go, no, no, tell me, how really are you today? Are you tired? Doing okay? How's the family? And just taking those few minutes to do that with employees, I think makes a huge difference. And I think I've kind of learned that from this experience is just take a few more moments out to, to talk to people. So what I hear you saying is that it's not necessarily looking for the employee who's struggling, but rather developing a routine where you're asking everyone, hey, how are you? How's your day? At the same time, not accepting a very perfunctory, a very routine, a very common, fine, good, right? Right. Yeah. I, I get persistent with them at times. <laughs> You're not letting them get away with, hey, I'm fine. Things yeah. are good. You, you want to hear something more descriptive, something more personal. Exactly. We've only got a minute or two left, but I just want to share a thought process. There's, there are some within the agency, and, and this is not unique to, to CBP. There are some within the agency who would say, you know what, as a supervisor, I'm not the best person to reach out to employees. I'm not the best person that if I see something, I should say something. How would you respond as a supervisor and a leader who's ex had this experience? How would you respond to that? message or that mindset that that is prevalent somewhere in this agency i mean we're we're all human beings you know and we we always always like to say in cbp we're a family and so you know you you need to get through that uncomfortableness and that you know telling yourself you can't do it you can do it it's easy we talk to people all day long that's our job and so you need to learn to talk to your employees you need to ask the questions you need to know what's going on in their family life because you know, we care about all of our employees and you want to see your employees succeed and move on in, in the agency. And so I really think it's important for that supervisor. If they're thinking that they need to change that mindset, you can talk to people. We do it every day. That's great, Paula. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us today and sharing such a meaningful story. I just want our listeners to know that your story is also part of an exciting new video series called See the Signs, Save a Life from OFO Communications and the Port of Newark and New York. It was launched a few months ago, so I encourage everyone to check it out. Thank you again to our guests and our listeners for joining us. This is part of a podcast series kicking off Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month, which is September. If you do see someone struggling, asking about it may feel awkward, but you can be part of the solution. 
By tolerating that awkwardness, you can help reduce suicide risk at home or in the workplace. If you see someone struggling and you want to say something, simply ask, are you okay? Can I help? And then ask them if they are thinking of ending their life. It really does make a difference. Look out for our next podcast in this series and throughout the Shine a Light campaign in FY22. Thank you again to our guest. I really appreciate you. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in.